0: Welcome back, everybody, to the Front Stretch Podcast, the best seat at the track. I'm your host, Davey Siegel. As always, big show this week. As always, as well, we got one of our lead reporters on the website, Zach Sterniolo. Yes, I pronounced his last name correctly. On with us to recap Las Vegas, preview Phoenix, and everything in between. Plus, we have Tickles the Cat's father, A.J. Almendinger, on the show this week. He joins me to talk about his win in Sin City. Let's drop the green and get it started. Boogity, boogity, boogity. Let's go racing, boys. Green flag is out. Zach Sterniolo, not Sternolino or some other ways that people seem to pronounce your last name these days. I did pretty well. I think I've done well since I've known you, to be honest.
1: That's true. And you nailed it today. I mean, we're coming out of the gates strong here, bud.
0: Strong country strong right here well thanks for thanks for hopping on with me for a little bit in your car uh we're doing things different in 2021 as always but you look great you sound great you are great so let's talk about somebody who had a great weekend i'm gonna use all the vegas puns kyle larson cashes out in las vegas he rolls the dice and wins he didn't even roll the dice because he pretty much dominated. I mean, this was no fluke whatsoever. He led the most laps. He was the dominant car all day. And Kyle Larson, for the first time since Dover of 2019, is back in the winner's circle. How'd you feel about the race?
1: I thought the race was great. I mean, stage one was unquestionably fun to watch. Unreal. Um, maybe the most fun first stage I've seen at a mile and a half since this package was introduced. I don't know I'll say it. Stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's You know, Kyle Larson was fast from the get-go. Hendrick Motorsports was fast from the get-go. And and Larson, to go out there and essentially do what his teammate did last week at Homestead, uh, led almost the exact same amount of laps, 103 laps this week. Byron led 102 at Homestead and uh, goes out and claims the first checkered flag of uh, 21 for him. So, you know, it it was a fun race overall and a good story to go along with it as far as – You know there was a lot of controversy with kyle larson last year it's been very well publicized um Mm -hmm. and now larson you know we i don't think anyone has doubted what he can do on the track it's all it's been a matter of um how does he bounce back off the track and so that part is still kind of remains to be seen but so far so good on track
0: look at you bringing the stats 102 and 103 lap led. i feel like i'm talking to a young phil alloway over here All my all my front stretch people (laughs) will get that one um You're right, though. I mean, and I wanted to ask you about this, too. You know, we were on the post-race Zooms. We saw Fox's coverage of the race and and the short post-race that they had. People know Kyle Larson on a mainstream kind of level from his racial slur that he uttered on iRacing last summer. People in the industry and people in NASCAR, they know him as a badass race car driver who also happened to say that. But his talent is what it is, and his career is always going to be marred by the fact that he said that word. And he understands that and he's done the sincere thing. And I I think at least he's been sincere in his apologies and his acts that followed that. But there wasn't really that much talk about that. Um, And I was a little surprised by that, but also at the same time wasn't because we understood that Larson's going to win multiple races this year. He's with the best organization this year, new beginnings. We've always wanted to see what he's going to do in competitive top flight equipment. And we got to see that. So In a way, I was a little bit surprised at the lack of coverage of his quote-unquote story, and I don't really want to call it redemption because it's not that. It's just a second chance, and he's making the most of it, clearly. A deserved second chance at that, I might add, parenthetically. But I was a little bit surprised that Fox didn't really touch on it. They touched on it in Daytona, but now he won, and they didn't really touch on it. I didn't really get the sense that necessarily it was taboo. I just got the sense that people were attacking this as, this is a great race car driver. He's in the best position he's ever been in his career. We're going to see a lot more of this. What do you think?
1: I, I do think that's how Fox is and will approach it going forward. It, mm-hmm. You know, um, I'm not totally shocked because Jeff Gordon is a major part of uh, Hendrick Motorsports. No conflicts of
0: interest there. Uh uh-uh.
1: No, none whatsoever. None whatsoever. <laughs> you know, NASCAR TV conflicts of interest uh, yeah. kind of all go hand in hand. Yep. Um, that said, um, they did handle it well, I thought at Daytona. That in, that conversation that Larson had with Emmanuel Ocho, yeah. Um, and I thought Ocho in that interview really kept him honest and basically called him out. You can't use ignorance as an excuse for that mm-hmm. in 2020. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how they play it if Larson truly becomes a playoff contender as the season goes on. And by playoff contender, I mean a championship contender. We know at this point he's locked in with this win uh, right. this week. Um, who knows how many wins he'll, he will end up with. There's a good chance he'll end up with quite a few. Uh, there's I a lot of good tracks that. ahead of him, ahead for him. So it's going to be really interesting to see how Fox and NBC plays it and to see if NBC is going to handle that uh, that coverage any differently because of a little less conflict of interest with uh, without Jeff Gordon in the booth.
0: I will say uh, – you know, like I think at that point when NBC takes over the schedule, I think that's going to be so far gone because Larson's probably going to have multiple wins. The playoffs are going to be coming up. It's going to be a lot of on track storylines as it relates to him. Now, that's not to say if he wins, goes on a tear and wins 10 races this year and the championship, and he goes on the Today Show and he goes on ESPN, then that's not going to garner a lot of attention in that respect of things. But I think we saw at, after his first win here in Vegas. Like in the NASCAR world where we live, and if you're listening to this podcast, that's likely where you live too. You're not going to hear a lot about Kyle Larson overcoming his racial slur. Like, You're not going to hear a lot of that. You're going to hear a lot of, okay, Larson's second chance, had a year off, now what's he doing? And I think that's probably how it's going to be. And I also will say, if you happen to wager a little bit of money on Larson before the season started... To win the championship, it probably was a good bet, but I mean that's neither here nor there. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll see about that. Uh, Zach, I want to ask you real quick about Brad Keselowski. Had the best car besides Larson on Sunday at Vegas. Penske always strong out in the desert. He went out to the front stretch when Larson did his burnout on the back, and then came to the front and ran across the ball field and congratulated Larson. I was kind of surprised by that because I I wouldn't think that those two would be friends or have a friendship. Like they just strike me as Kind of different people, um, but Larson said in the post-race Zoom, or maybe Brad did—I don't know—that they live in the same development and their kids, you know, do a lot of the same activities. So that's kind of how their relationship has been formed. But I wouldn't peg Brad Keselowski and Kyle Larson to be buddy-buddy, would you?
1: No, I wouldn't. Um, <laughs> and, and I do remember Kyle pointing that out in his post-race. Yeah. Um, and it's so interesting to me because I, I remember a few years back there was a. I, I don't know if it was 2018 or 2019, but there was a race hub segment where Brad actually said that if he was starting a cup team at that time, Kyle Larson would be his number one driver. So Mm. there, there has been a lasting kind of respect that they've had for another, and particularly Mm -hmm. Kozlowski toward Larson. Um, But it was really telling to see Brad go out there and make, make that public of, of an uh, of a congratulations after the race. Um, and, And, that was actually what inspired my column Sunday night after the race. Um, was just really the outpouring of support um, in general from the NASCAR driver body. Um, you know, it's no secret that 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 whole driver community really is a fraternity. As the season goes on, you, all the drivers are competing against one another for you know 38 weekends a year. So you had Denny Hamlin congratulating Larson on pit road. Same with uh, William Byron, who of course is Kyle's teammate. Bubble to victory um, Bubba lane. Wallace, yep that that's it you're right exactly and of course that that's a significant moment because of just the circumstances of bill everything Lester and even in,
0: congratulated him on twitter as well that was pretty huge as well
1: exactly exactly and bill w- was of course the last uh full-time black driver in nascar's top three series before bubba wallace came into the sport so um it, it's interesting to see how vocal um the drivers are in support of larson as larson goes on um to to make the best of this second chance, as we've spoken about, um, so I think that part of it is, is probably more telling to me is the respect that he still has from the guys he's racing with on a week to week basis.
0: Speaking of telling, I think that Vegas was telling in the respect that you know everybody goes to Homestead and says, "Oh, first mile and a half of the year, we're going to see who's got what this year, and this is going to be a telltale sign of what we have for the rest of the year." That really wasn't so. Uh, I mean, we we don't know yet, but we think that that's not so because we see. That homestead is so much different than any track on the circuit, especially in the mile-and-a-half realm. But Brad Keselowski also said after Vegas, he said, you know, now you see what everybody's got. You see that Hendricks the top dog. You see that Penske, we're right behind them. You see Joe, Joe Gibbs Racing putting all four of their cars, I think, in the top seven. Is that right, Zach? You have the stats in front of you? That is right.
1: Third for Kyle Busch, fourth for Denny Hamlin, sixth for Martin Truex Jr., and seventh for Christopher Bell there.
0: Yeah, and that's, like, low-key, too, because you saw Henrik running up front all day and Penske leading laps. Chase Elliott led a bunch as well. Um, But, like, JGR, you you didn't hear about them running up front and leading laps all day. So to put all four cars in the top seven, like, that's a big deal. But one team that is specifically lacking behind and one driver in specific, Stuart Haas Racing and Kevin Harvick, I think he finished 20th off the lead lap, which is a rarity for him, and he led the team. Like, Chase Briscoe finished 21st. I think Cole Custer finished 25th or 26th. Eric Almirola was dead last and crashed early on in the race and didn't even have that much speed before that. And Harvick started on the pole, didn't even lead a single lap. I understand he had a tire issue on a restart, and that kind of bogged their day down, but they just did not have a lot of speed, and that should be a little bit of cause for concern. Kevin Harvick doesn't really say so. Where do you stand on that? I
1: I think you have to at least raise an eyebrow at it because – here we are four races into the season, um, this, the first real legitimate intermediate uh, track that we'll see um, a lot of tracks like throughout the course of the season. And um, Kevin Harvick, for him to not just be off a little bit, but to finish off the lead lap and not not once be a factor in this race, not even in the top seven, top 10, um, he was just... He was he was an also ran that day. And that's not Kevin Harvick's status, especially since he's joined SHR, especially since he's been paired with Rodney Childers. Because of Rodney Childers, I have a little optimism for that team that they'll be able to ride it a little bit quicker than yeah. maybe some other teams who would be in this situation. But I mean, you've got to at least be concerned here. You know, figure uh last year at Phoenix, they they weren't really a factor in the championship race. Granted they were, they were out of the championship hunt, but you expect that to be a top five car nonetheless. And they weren't. Um, and I don't know, just, he hasn't, the guy hasn't won since the Bristol night race, um, back in That's August. Point. And so you, you wonder just when they're going to be able to turn it around. You know, that they will much like Kyle Busch at some point will turn it around and start clicking off wins left and right again. But, um, If you're SHR, you hope it's a whole lot sooner than later.
0: It's an interesting point. You think he got, what, eight, nine wins last year? Nine wins it was, and you'd think he'd win, you know, way after the Bristol night race. So that's pretty glaring as well. And you mentioned, like, finishing off the lead lap. That does not happen for this team. Last year, they finished on the lead lap 33 of 36 races, and I think a couple of those came at the very end of the season Year before that, they only had six finishes off the lead lap. Year before that, five. Year before that, seven. And I mean, like, so this doesn't really happen. And I understand that, you know, lightning can strike twice, but I think that it's not going to necessarily be Kevin Harvick shows up to Phoenix and runs 25th and finishes multiple laps down. I personally think he'll probably have a really good day because it's Phoenix and it's Kevin Harvick. But I also wouldn't be, like, shocked if he runs, like, 12th, and just is okay there. You know what I mean? So this has been a glaring issue for Seward Haas Racing that's been masked by the fact that Harvick is a perennial championship contender and is going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's so damn good, but for the past few years, you know, you've had Clint Boyer as a veteran who's been okay. You had Cole Custer who won a race in his rookie year. He was fine. Daniel Suarez missed the playoffs in his one year there. Kurt Busch won a couple races, didn't set the world on fire. Now you have Chase Briscoe into the fold with Cole Custer, two young rookies there, Eric Almirola, who I even forgot to mention when I was talking about the past, because no offense to Eric Almirola, but sometimes he's just there and he finishes well sometimes and sometimes he just gets a top 15 and calls it a day. So this could be the start of something that's not so great for SHR, but as Jeff Gluck wrote in his top five column this week, you know, NASCAR goes in cycles and Hendrick Motorsports was down and now they're up Stuart Haas racing last year was up and now they seem to be maybe a little bit down but this is all premature we're four races in we got a long way to go and we got a long way to go in this show zach so why don't you stick around for a minute okay i'll be here this week's stage break is brought to you by bet you never would have guessed this one nobody yet but i'm told we are working on it and i'm told we are relatively close to securing a sponsor not facetious i I am told we actually are pretty close but if you want to get involved in the sweepstakes to bid to attach your name to this wonderful show and this mean mug as well as zach sterniolo contact kevin dd you know his email by now ddk37 at gmail.com advertising is wide open here on the front stretch podcast And even if you'd like to attach yourself to the brand as a whole, not just the podcast, we can work something out for you there as well. D-E-A-D-Y-K-3-7 at gmail.com. Contact Kevin Deedy for advertising on this very podcast. Let's throw it over to our interview with Tickles the Cat's father, as I mentioned, A.J. Allmendinger for College Racing. He won this past weekend at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. He's having fun. He's gunning for an Xfinity Series championship. We talked about all those things. Plus, does he potentially have his eye on a Cup Series return? We know that Colleg Racing has floated that idea. Not even floated. They've said flat out, we want to go Cup racing. I don't think it'd be a bad idea to put a veteran like A.J. Allmendinger who can win races on the Xfinity level, who was ha- who was a winner in Cup, and that seat, you never know. So let's ask the man himself. Here's Colleg Racing's A.J. Allmendinger. happy to welcome on to the front stretch podcast this week mr tickle's dad who cares that he won at las vegas who cares that he's with call of grace and having fun i just want to know about mr tickles how did he react to the win
2: uh anytime i win tickles just wants treats that's all he cares about so it's uh yeah it's funny that we've had my wife and i have had mr tickles now for nearly six years which is crazy to think about but it's funny how everything is taken off about tickles because I'll be at the racetrack and it's same thing. It's like, Hey tickles dad. I want an autograph. Where's tickles. I'm like, he's a cat. He's in, you know, he's at home. He's hiding. But yeah, it's all about tickles.
0: I mean, can you, can you blame the people though? I mean, he's the star of the show. You know, this, I completely agree. And then we added Zena, the French bulldog last year. And the, between the two of them, the house yeah.
2: is just a ruckus. I mean, really, honestly, I was home yesterday, got home yesterday. And it's like, we had, I had the front door open. Nice day. And, Zena just starts howling, and I thought somebody was at the front door. Somebody was trying to come in, and I look, and it's him and Tickles having a stare off. It's Zena and Tickles having a stare off.
0: So she's staring Uh-oh. at
2: it Tickles. Tickle, he's staring back, and it was
0: it was game on. <laughs> they get along well though. Besides those stare offs every now and then.
2: Oh yeah, oh it's a it's a good time, and it's uh it's good entertainment. It's never boring at my house.
0: That's good. I don't even think I said your name. It's AJ Allmendinger, obviously. I mean, people know when you hear tickles, it's AJ. So thanks for joining me, AJ. I appreciate that. Uh, that's enough tickles talk for now, but I'm sure we'll get back to it at some point because the people want what the people want, especially me. Um, let's talk about Saturday specifically at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. You win the race, but I'm curious, you know, at what point in the event did you know that you had a race-winning piece? Was it, was it early on? Was it when you took the lead initially? You know, when did things click for you? And you said, all right, we may have a good shot here.
2: Yeah, it was the the first stage of car was was really quick, uh, but it was a little bit free. I think, you know, I had to start 10th. So we got up to about fourth. But late in that first stage, uh, my car was was quite good. Uh, But I knew in general at of Racing, we had some really fast cars because at that point, Justin Haley had run down the 22 and it was all over him just couldn't get around him to win the first stage but had run him down quick and i thought all right we got some good cars here and just tightened it up just a little bit at the start of that second stage and and like the 18 and the 19 were, were pretty good early in the runs but i could tell my car was was really good later in the run as the tires start to get old so i knew at that point we had a fast race car and we had to execute uh you know the first few races it just it hadn't worked out, you know, the Daytona road course, we had a really fast car and, and had the incident with the 22 last week at Homestead. I thought our car was, was by far way better than than we had hit, been the previous year. Yeah. And I was good for 30 lap runs, but my problem at Homestead, I'm just not great at running the fence. So I knew if it was a long run, we'd struggle a little bit, but went forward on the restart because that's what Matt Colling tells me to do. And, and didn't work out, but you know, we've had fast cars at Collard racing every week. And it was really nice to to execute and, and put the win, get the win there at Vegas. But more importantly, you know, I, I don't like saying we're dominated because it was a great battle with, with yeah. me and Daniel Hamrick and Brandon Jones. But it really felt like our car had a lot of speed compared to, to the most most of the cars out there. So was happy to see that.
0: And your teammate and de facto son, Justin Haley, like you said, I heard you somewhere else this week that you were kind of not following his, his pursuit of the lead, but you got really excited when he was going up to take the lead. Maybe even more so when you took the lead yourself. That's the fatherly love that we really appreciate in the Xfinity series this year.
2: Well, I love I love Justin. Uh, he's got so much raw talent, mm-hmm. and I see a lot of myself in him. Uh, he's young, you know. He, he's getting to do this a little bit younger in the NASCAR side of it than I was. I mean, I yeah. didn't come in the sport till about twenty five. So, I mean, he's been around. I mean since he was like 12, I think it's, it seemed like he's only about 16 years old he's now. A baby. It looks like yeah. on like, it, but no. <laughs> so I, it's anytime Justin's running well, I get pumped up about it. Uh, and, and really because I love the, the, the progress that we're having with our race cars. And when Justin went up there to, to run down the 22, I was like, Hey, you know, like I got, I was like, hell yeah. Inside the race car. Like this, <laughs> this is awesome to see. And unfortunately I think he had to spin and, and kind of put him, Really on the back foot the rest of the race, but yeah, we have fast race cars and and heck, Jeb's got four top tens. Yeah, uh fought hard to get back in the top ten. Probably could add another top five, which he's had uh, every race this season. So to have all three cars in the top ten and, and Jeb, like I said, be top ten every race, it shows that we have the speed.
0: Yeah, quiet top tens for Jeb Burton too. It's like you don't really hear from him much of the race, and then when check flag flies, oh, another top ten for Jeb. So good to see him and College Racing in general having fun and running up front, but the former is what I want to touch on because you've been very open and adamant that fun is the main thing for you this year, specifically with this team, in this series, with this car, right? I mean, you would not have come back full-time in Xfinity in any series in that capacity if you weren't going to have fun doing it. And I think you and Chris Rice still take pictures before every race on the grid to make sure you guys are smiling and having a good time. Because as cliche as it is, like Chris has said it, you've said it, if you're not having fun, what's the point? And winning races is fun, don't get me wrong, but it's the day-to-day that goes on in between at College Racing that I'm sure you can attest to. That's what makes this fun for you, is that right?
2: Yeah, and I mean, it, it's, you know, I use the word fun because I still put all so much pressure on myself before a race, and, and at times I'm almost ill before I get in the car, but it comes down to the fact that leading, I mean, to those moments of getting in the car and the moment as soon as I get out of the race car, like Chris Rice is always there to put his arm around me, good or bad. And it really it makes it so much easier because, you know, you take even the, the Daytona Road Course in, in Homestead, for example. I mean, just bitter disappointment, gutted. And, you know, he puts his arm around me like, don't worry about it, we're fine. You know, Matt Collig, especially like the restart at Homestead. Restarting fifth, you know, I've made it try to make it three or four wide and got got clipped and got spun, and I was so disappointed. And Matt like laughed. He's like, "Man, that's what you're here for. Go for the win. Like, don't you just restart and you finish fifth because you didn't try to make a move? Like, don't do that." So it's things like that where good or bad, like it makes it enjoyable because yeah. we're all in it together. And I know I have an owner that says, "Just go give me trophies. Like, give everything you got. That's all Trophy I want." Trophy hunt, baby. You know, Chris Wright the team president, it's like, like, just get it, man. Like, like, but enjoy it. Like, and we're all here to enjoy it together. And it's all the men and women at Call racing, you feed off that energy from the top and it just, you know, continually through everybody in the race shop. So sure. When you run well and, and of course winning always helps, but it's those moments away from it on the plane, when we're just giving each other hell cracking up, um, you know, here at the shop like everything about it it's just so so enjoyable and that's why i wanted to really do it full time because i had fun the last couple years but it was like man i missed the weekends i'm not there i'm not at the shop so when they gave me the chance i had to take it
0: yeah opportunity you couldn't really turn down and i think a lot of people enjoy watching you win races because of the raw emotion that you show whether it's in victory lane or on the front stretch i mean last year kevin harvick and denny hamlin in the cup series are winning every single week And don't get me wrong, I'm sure they're grateful for it, but it gets a little bit monotonous at times to see the same person win, climb out, thank their guys, do the whole song and dance. You've won multiple times. We understand that. But it seems like every time you win, you get a little bit more jacked, which I'm here for. I mean, I'll go ahead and say it. Like, we love to see that out of you, but that's just your personality. like, And it goes back to the whole foundation of Collig. If Chris Rice wasn't in your ear all race, if Matt Collig wasn't on the radio telling you to go for it, your whole team is about fun. And that's what makes this all rewarding for you because to bring back the wins and to bring back the good results and to see the hard work for your key phrase, the men and women at college racing, we got to like put that on a t-shirt to see that all pay off. That's what makes this so rewarding for you. And that's why I think, you know, you see the emotion out of you after the race and, and the the triumph because you've gone through a lot of tribulation to get to that triumph and you're enjoying it now, which is nice.
2: Yeah. I mean, you just, as I said, in the post race interview, I never know when it's my last one. So I'm grateful for all of yeah. them. I hope we have a whole lot more. And I think we can, I think you do, <laughs> but, but like, it, it's, I'm not Kyle Busch. I don't have a, you know, 300 wins in NASCAR, or whatever he's up to now. Right. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. And, it, and even if I did, like it, it's, I know, and every team does this. So, but like I know how hard specifically the men and women here work at this, race team you see it from from top to bottom and you could say thank you and be grateful and i try to always show my appreciation for Mm -hmm. everything that i'm given here at color racing but how do you show them in the best way possible go win the damn races that's right and that's why i get so jacked up when i win because it's like my appreciation and for all the hard work that everybody does here that's the way i can show it And then I try to show it with my emotion and and explain it in the interviews and, and to anybody I truly talk to about like, this is a big deal. And I, I'm so grateful for the opportunity. And more importantly, I'm grateful for the hard work because everybody can, you know, do just their job or you got a team like here at College Racing where there's no, there's yeah. On the racetrack, there's a 10, there's an 11. There's a 16, and then there's our, our, our crew, men and women, that are on those cars at the racetrack. But there ain't no 10, 11, 16 in the race shop. All the cars are blank. Forget the numbers on the side of them. Yeah. All the cars are blank. Everybody works on every car. So every time we win, whether it's myself, Justin, and, and when Jeb wins this year, everybody's winning because everybody had a piece of that car that they worked
0: on during the week. And that's that's truly what's amazing here. So I'm curious because a lot of teams say that, you know, they're like, oh, it's a team sport. We're all pulling on the same rope. And that's true to a certain extent, but it just feels different with Colic, And you live that, and I understand that. But why, why is that the case? Why is that the case with Colic? Does it come from Matt? Does it come from Chris? Is it the drivers? Is it the team? Like, is it just a marriage of all of those things coming together? And now the team is finally hitting their stride, being in the series for a few years, understanding that they're perennial championship contenders. It just feels different at Colleg and it doesn't feel that way with the behemoth powerhouse teams that are in cup and have Xfinity organizations or even in Xfinity specifically, you know, why is Colleg so unique in that respect? Do you think?
2: Yeah. I mean, it starts with that. I mean, let's be quite honest. None of us would be here at Colleg racing if it wasn't for Matt Colleg, right? That's pretty simple to say, like, I mean, it's, it's, so it's his energy and, and his passion and just his love of people, that it starts with and then on the day-to-day operations and and having to deal it's chris rice that that takes over and sets the culture because it's chris here every day doing all the dirty work you know that when it comes to organizing the people organizing the team the staff everything that i can't even imagine that i ever want to be a part of and know about <laughs> yes. uh, of setting the culture right because if 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 really it started with Chris. If he came in here and said, you're the 10 car, you're the 11 car, and you're the 16 car, that's the culture immediately set for it. And that's how it runs. And that's how we all think. But it's not. And Chris has set the culture about, okay, no, it's a family. You're working on every car. And then with that, you got to bring in the right people that believe in that. If you bring in one person that's like, no, I don't believe in that. Well, then it, you know, you, you get that bad egg that just sets off the rest of the team so Mm -hmm. it's about finding the right people that believe in it then it's about us as drivers to go out there and and work together as great teammates because if you don't work together as great teammates you show the people that you know what we don't care about your hard work and all these cars we're in it for ourselves that's Mm -hmm. why you see me so excited when when Justin's leading and won it the super speedways when Ross won at, at Daytona uh, and I'll be just as pumped when Jeb wins I'll be tackling him in victory lane like it, it's if we don't set that culture as drivers to to show what Chris has really proven then we're messing it up so it's on us as well so it's all together that that we make it the way it is
0: it's a really great philosophy and it's a refreshing one at that when you see in NASCAR it's just it's a lot of the same stuff that you see and a lot of PR sponsor driven answers but it just seems genuine at colleagues. so I'm glad that they got you you in the, in the shop as well to help, help do that. And the philosophy is just really cool to see. I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't ask a little bit about Daytona and you mentioned it with Austin Sindrick at the road course. Um, I'm just curious, like, you know, I think you and Austin both said after the race that it it, it was a mistake, you know, on both your parts, you would talk about it. So like, did you guys hash things out? Did you, did you go over what happened and what you guys can do to, to prevent that from happening in the future? Anything after that?
2: Yeah. We talked about it, you know, I'll, I'll kind of leave that to us, Um, Mm -hmm. but we both know where we stand. Uh, You know, there, there's blame on both sides for sure. Uh, I I gave my points of opinion of of what pissed me off and, and I understood, you know, on his side of it as well. Uh, But yeah, you move forward and and you race, I hope, and I told him this, I hope I have to race Austin Sendrick a lot this year because he's the champion and, He's probably going to be up front at a lot of the, probably at every race. Yeah. So I hope I have yeah. to race him a lot because that means we're doing our job
0: at College Racing. So we set our piece, we move forward, and we go on. I think you guys will be one two at a, at a few races here and there, flip flopping one two. But safe to say, you guys will be racing around each other a fair amount and uh, hopefully into later stages of the season. I also want to ask AJ. You know, when when you look at the landscape of the Cup Series specifically you've had your time there. You've had your success there. And it's no secret that Matt Colley wants to go cup racing as soon as next year when the next gen car comes into the equation. I'm curious if that's on your radar at all. And I understand that you're focused on the here and the now and the Xfinity series going for this championship because as cliche as it is, and as we have said, like you owe it to the men and women at college racing to do that. But it's also something that I piques my interest, at least to think about, who Matt Collig and Collig Racing could potentially put in a full-time car if they want to go down that road in 2022. Have you given that any thought whatsoever? Is that even on your radar?
2: Honestly, no. I mean, it, it's uh, we were able to do the cup race at the Daytona Road Course and uh, I believe planned to, to try to run a lot of them, um, mm-hmm. but we'll see kind of as the season progresses of, of where we're at on the Xfinity side of it. Yeah, That's obviously the most important thing. Uh, you know, when it comes to, to Matt colleague and call racing, moving forward with cup, that's definitely in the plans moving into 2022 is to try to make that happen. I believe, but on my side of it, you know, it's, it's not like I'm like, Hey, you know, please. Yes. Or please no. Like, yeah. I, I just want to be a part of college racing for a while, whether I'm driving the car or not, my, some of the most enjoyment that I'm having is, is trying to help the team progress whether it's, you know, here at the shop or the setups or or on the racetrack or whatever. So just being appreciative of, of, of Matt Collig and, and wanting to be a part of his organization in in whatever way possible. So when it comes to like, do I need to be a cup driver in 2022 for Matt Collig? It's not even, I even asked the question. Like it, it's, I take it every race one at a time. That's why you see me get out of the car and almost, you know, in, in tears because it, it means so much. It's true. Like I'd like never know when the last race is going to happen and in mm-hmm. the last win and and all of it. So, uh, in the past, in my life, I've been so worried about, Oh my God, what's going to happen next year. What's going to happen next week. Am I going to be here? I spent half my cup life. Like it felt like hanging on to the wall and my nails dug in, just trying to stay in the sport and God, it sucks to live that way. Don't so want that mad. anymore. It's horrendous to live like that. Yeah. So there's no reason to live like that anymore. I don't care. Like I, I do care, but like, I don't like the future of, of, of me having to drive the car. Like it, it's not that big of a deal to me. Of course I want to keep driving. I love it right now, but like, I just love being a part of the organization and that's, that's my focus.
0: So conventional wisdom would suggest, and I'm sure you're probably aware of this, but 39, which is how old you are. That's the peak age for an NASCAR driver in today's day <laughs> and age. So you're at well, your peak.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, there there are some young guys right now. Chase Elliott might argue that right now, yeah, um, but the people sadly, will be going down, getting better. Yeah. So, but yeah, I, it's I do feel in in a lot of this. I mean, um, a ton of this has to do with with the college racing equipment that I'm in, where I can go out there and compete up front and teach myself and learn and. uh, But yeah, I feel like I'm at the best I've ever been outside the race car when it comes to trying to help the setups, trying to lead the guys of, of what I feel like the cars really need, and inside the car, doing what I need to do, but there's always room for improvement. We improve every day. The day we stop improving is the day we probably die, so it's, it's about improving every day, but it's uh, I'm, I'm having fun with it one day at a time, and I just leave it at that.
0: To the moon, as they say. Uh, good that you're having fun. Uh, last question for me is, Do you have any concrete goals that you set out at the beginning of the year that you want to accomplish this year, whether that's in Xfinity or in your limited starts and Cup, or are you one of those guys that doesn't really set actually concrete goals and takes things week by week as they come?
2: I try not to to set any goals. You know, I mean, we know the ultimate goal to try to win a championship, but this day and age of of how the championship works – Like I don't want to say it's championship or bust, or or you know make the final four or bust because you could win twelve races and have a string of three bad races at the Mm -hmm. wrong time during the year Mm -hmm. and not make it to the round of eight or saw last year. Yeah, so it's I don't want to set those goals. Uh, My my goal truly for this team was keep improving, like keep getting better. Like where we started the beginning of the year compared to we where we ended last year we're improving a lot. The cars are so fast, but at the same point that does us no good to now 20 races in now we're slow because we can't figure out what's going on. Yeah. And, and now we're, now we're heading into the playoffs and we don't have any momentum. So it's truly about moving forward, progressing. It's great to get a win early in the season get that pressure off your shoulders. Say, okay, you know, we know we can do it. We're in the playoffs. We can just keep moving forward. So that's nice to have, but Really, it's just about improving and, and progressing and being better from the start of the year to the end of the year. And and we've already, I truly feel like, are better from where we ended last year to where we started this year. And that's what it's all about.
0: He is Mr. Tickle's father. He is a Las Vegas Motor Speedway winner. And he was this week's guest on the pod, AJ Allmendinger, my man. Thank you for joining. And uh, to Ryan Pistana, if you're listening, what's up, my man? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Thank you, man. <laughs> White flag is out on the front stretch pod. Got to thank College Racing and Carly over there for helping coordinate that conversation. And of course, AJ, for taking the time. We always appreciate our guests here on the front stretch pod, so have got to show them some love. And I'd also like to welcome back Zach Sterniolo. We'll show him a little bit more love. Chat about this weekend in Phoenix. But first, what do you think about the dinger? I mean, we knew he was going to be winning races and contending for a championship this year, but pretty solid performance out in the desert, I'd say. I mean he
1: looked great out there and it's it's great to see AJ Elmendinger being competitive and having fun. I think yeah. uh, we saw toward the end of his cup stint with JTG, JTG Darty that you know yeah a little bit a little bit of a tongue twister <laughs> but uh but no I think I think we saw the grind of pressure whether it was self-inflicted or or otherwise um really take a toll on him and so for him to be this Being competitive, going out, winning races, and and being a front runner in this Xfinity series, which is already competitive as it is, um, it's it's fun to watch, and he's a great personality. But I think the sport benefits from.
0: So let's talk about Phoenix this weekend, Zach. Big implications for obvious reasons, being the championship race for the second year in a row in all three national series. We'll focus on Cup here, though. We mentioned Kevin Harvick in, in the first segment of the show. And him going back to Phoenix, that's a great place for him. I mean, he told us on the Zoom this morning as of this recording, you know, they ran second there in the spring and and led a bunch of laps and were up front. But when it came down to the championship finale, A, they weren't eligible. But B, they weren't great. I mean, they finished top 10, they were fine, but they were not in the caliber of those top four championship four contenders. So what can we expect this weekend as a whole? Should we expect... Harvick to run up front, should we expect more of the same? And Hendrick Motorsports to be the top dogs. Joey Logano has wins there, obviously. Brad Keselowski ran really well last year in the championship finale. If it wasn't for his pit crew, he may be the defending champion. What should we expect this weekend?
1: You know, I think what we see this
0: weekend is going to be
1: very telling for what we see in November, and I know that's a lot of pressure to put on a race all the way in March. But uh, I do think that we're going to find out a lot this weekend phoenix has a history in my opinion of really separating the contenders from pretenders and um, that's been the case for a while we saw it in november last year the top four finishers were the top four guys in the championship hunt we had elliot kezlowski logano hamlin finished top four um team penske and and hedrick motorsports i expect them to be the front runners. you're going to need to go through them if you're going to if you want to find your way to victory lane and uh, really, it could be any one of those eight drivers, uh, if you include Matt Benedetto uh, as a part of Team Penske. Yeah. Um, you know, he, needs I, it. I, he, he absolutely needs it. and Probably more than anyone else we'll talk about in this podcast because yeah. he had such an awful start to this season. He, he was lucky enough to salvage a 16th place finish last week at Las Vegas. But um, Benedetto needs a good run. But um, I think, you know, whether we're talking Kozlowski, Lugano, Blaney over at Penske, or byron hamlin i'm sorry byron larson um bowman and uh chase elliott i i I think any of those seven drivers particularly could find their way to victory lane on sunday
0: i'm gonna disagree with you for a little bit this might be a first i don't know if i've ever like disagreed hard with a co-host on the pod this year please bring Um, it on (laughs) so you said phoenix is is this is going to be an indicator of what we see in november to a certain extent, obviously, yes. You know, you're going to see the top dogs that run well this weekend. They're probably going to run well in November. My only thing is, I mean, even looking at the results last year, Joey Logano won this race last year. He was in the championship four and he had a shot at it. Kevin Harvick was second, not in the championship four. Kyle Busch third, not in the championship four. Kyle Larson fourth. We know what happened to him. Boyer was fifth. Kurt Busch was 6th. Chase Elliott was 7th. Then he had Almirola, Custer, and Byron rounding out the top 10. The other championship four contenders were Brad Keselowski. He finished 11th in the spring. And then he had Denny Hamlin, who finished 20th. I don't know quite what happened to him. So I'm not saying that it's going to be such a drastic difference where you see, like, oh, the person who finishes 17th this weekend is going to make the championship four. Like, no. But what I am saying is that I think with this championship format, especially in recent years, Momentum is a big thing. Like, that's very cliche to say, but you can't understate that. So Chase Elliott wins Martinsville. He's hot. He's gone to Phoenix a bunch of times and done pretty well. He's never won. Goes out, is in the back, drives his way to the front, wins going away. Made it look easy, right? You got you you have to understand that like momentum has something to do with that. They had the fastest car and they had the fastest car all year. I get that but I'm just saying that I don't think you're going to see like the top five this weekend be the championship for come November. I think you're going to see top dogs running up front, but I don't necessarily think that it's going to be an exact carbon copy of Phoenix. So I, I see where you're coming from, but I push back a little bit.
1: And and, and that's a great point, And I do agree with that to some extent. I, I don't think that the top four we see on Sunday is going to replicate what we see in November. Um, But I will say the winner of this race of, of really any race at Phoenix that I can remember um, and even the, the guys that you mentioned that finished uh, toward the front last year, maybe say for a guy like Custer or, or Kurt mm-hmm. Busch, those are contenders. Those are guys that we expect to be, you know, top of the sport and in contention to to win races on a, on a regular basis. I don't think you're going to see any surprises here at Phoenix yeah. um, at, at the end of this race.
0: Yeah, for sure. I feel you on that. All right, well, we talked a lot about Phoenix, so why don't you say we put out the checkered flag and let's make people some money. What do you say? Let's do it. Checkered flag, here I come. Oh, no! Davey's do's and don'ts for the week, and I was texting Zach before and tell him to get ready for some uh, do's and don'ts. And he's obviously a listener to the pod, representing the brand, supporting us. We appreciate that. So instead of Massey's moves and moans. He wants some Zach zoos and zones. I love it. The floor is yours, my friend. What is your zoo and what is your zone? T- all right. Uh, the the first
1: zoo of the day. I, I gotta <laughs> go with this. Well, first of all, I can't believe we're really doing this. Uh, <laughs> no, but I, you know, I, I think I have to. It goes back to really what we were just talked about, and that is, yeah, ha- uh, rely on Hendrick Motorsports to show its strength once again. Um, any of those four drivers between. William Byron, Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott, and Alex Bowman can find their way to victory lane on Sunday, and I don't think I would be shocked by it.
0: I love that zoo. My zoo, or do, like normal people say, I already talked about it a little bit. Uh, I, I think we should expect a bounce-back week for Kevin Harvick. Not Stewart House Racing as a whole necessarily, but I think Harvick will be leading some laps, finishing in the top 10 for sure. I mean, that could be a lock, probably getting a top-five finish as well. Before I give you your time for your zone, I'll tell you my don't, and I already teased it, don't expect this weekend to look the same as Phoenix in November. I think it's going to be, you're going to see some similarities, obviously, but I still think that the winner is going to be different, um, that might be a bold prediction, I don't know, let well, I me mean, talk to me in November, I just think they're going to see some different stuff, like you could take things from this race to Phoenix in November, the tire compounds, how they wear, pit strategy, etc., but... I think you'll be seeing something a little bit different. What is your zoned, Mr. Sterniolo?
1: My zoned is uh, do not expect an upset winner here. We've talked about it a little bit earlier already, but um, Phoenix is not a place where you're going to get an upset winner. Um, I don't think you're going to see someone like, you know, Ryan Priest or Eric Jones just being in the equipment he's in now. I don't think that those are guys you're going to see contending for the win here. I think you're going to see the, your, your usual cast members, your your Team Penske's, your Hendrick Motorsports, your Joe Gibbs Racing, those guys are going to win this race, the guys you kind of expect to win. Um, you're not going to see an upset here on Sunday.
0: All right, Zach, we're going to do rapid fire here. We're going to make the people some money. We're doing bets. We're doing matchups. You know how this works. I give you the matchup. You tell me in one word who you're taking to win. Let's go. Chase Elliott versus Denny Hamlin. Chase Elliott. He's the favorite, correct? Uh, not correct, but he's the favorite. Kevin Harvick or Brad Keselowski? Brad
1: Keselowski. Brad Keselowski.
0: Okay, he's a little bit of an underdog, so you can make some money there. Martin Truex Jr. or Kyle Busch? Ooh, uh, Truex. Truex. He's the favorite. Joey Logano or Kyle Larson?
1: That's a tough matchup. I'm going to go Logano. Yeah.
0: I'd go Larson, and Logano is a slight favorite, so we'll see who wins that one. Ryan Blaney or William Byron? Blaney. I love the relationship that they have because Byron is dating his sister. It's so funny. Uh, That's an aside, though. Kurt Busch or Tyler Reddick?
1: Ooh, uh, let's go Reddick.
0: Yeah, that's an intriguing one. He's the underdog. I think he ran, like, second at one point in this race last year. Um, So I'll go Reddick as a sleeper there as well. Alex Bowman or C-Bell? I'll take Bowman. Okay, I will as well. Bubba Wallace or Ryan Newman? Newman. Cole Custer or Austin Dillon? Take Austin Dillon there. Yep, he's a big favorite there. Eric Amarola or Matt Benedetto.
1: Matt DiBenedetto.
0: He's my lock of the week to win that specific matchup. Yeah. I think he's in for a big weekend. Maybe not necessarily a win, but I think you can bet on him to get a top 10. And I think Amarola's struggling at the moment. Matty D needs it. So even if it comes to strategy, you know, they may stay out at the end or something. That's my lock of the week.
1: And Matty D should have been a top 10 car last week at Las Vegas, if not for a pit issue there. So um, I think that's a great pick.
0: pick. Yeah, he limped it to the finish with with three fresh tires instead of four. So get on him. Man, this is fun. I'm glad I got you on. This won't be the last time. It was the first, but it will not be the last. So. Zach, I appreciate your time today. Thanks for squeezing in a little bit of time in your car, of all things. (laughs) And uh, enjoy the racing at Phoenix this weekend, and people can be sure to read your stuff all over the website at frontstretch.com. Where can the people find you on the Twitter machine?
1: On Twitter, you can find me at Zachster, Z-A-C-H-S-T-U-R. Every Sunday night or uh, every Monday morning, I'm posting my Zach's Turn column, recapping the week prior, uh, the, the race prior. Um, plus getting a few beyond the cockpits every couple of weeks on the front stretch side as well. So check it out. Give me a follow and uh, hope you hope you guys are tuning in.
0: You will not regret it. He's got one coming with Cliff Daniels in the upcoming weeks, So it should be good. Zach, thank you for your time. It was fun. And thank you guys for listening. We will catch you back next week for another episode of the front stretch podcast, the best seat at the track. So make sure you hit that subscribe button, leave a rating and a review so you can lock your seat in. You have been listening to the Front Stretch Podcast.